This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman, the surprise World Series champs. I think somebody like a Washington and how that and going to Game 7, I think that's good for baseball. Flacco calls out his offensive coordinator. Everything he said I thought was right on the money. Why not on third and five try to win the game? Next man up for the Broncos? I'm really scared shitless for Sunday for Brandon Allen. Will the Broncos be drafting yet another quarterback? Stop. Stop already. Get better at other spots. And the Avalanche and Nuggets aren't on TV. Why? And what's the status of the negotiations? DirecTV and Comcast. I mean, one of, one of those, I, I really strongly feel like we'll, we'll be back on and, and, and hopefully soon. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. We are on episode number 16. This, though, we're doing it from a different venue. We left my palatial studio and we're now at your house. My house. Yeah. Um, let me just, we're not gonna spend too much time on this because I know you're not going to want to spend too much time on this, but you gave me a quick tour. Saw your closet. I realize now you are officially OCD. Every single shirt faced one way and it was color coordinated. Who does that? I've come a long way because usually my stuff's a mess, but, um, my, I, you know, we, we redid our master bedroom and bathroom and, you know, I like having my stuff together. I'm not, I, I do have a little bit of OCD. I'm not a neat person typically. So the fact that it's neat, mm-hmm. I'm pretty proud of. So if I went upstairs right now before I left and turned a shirt around. So it's facing the wrong direction. Right. Yeah. Would you like be okay that. with that? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't freak out. I wouldn't freak out, but I like that they're all turned. I, I have at times I put one up and I'm like, wait a second. I, it's got to go the other way. Yeah. I'm learning things about you. Mm-hmm. Um, also learning that you go on really cool vacations. Welcome back from the Dominican Republic. Yeah. That was a great time. Educational time. It was the reason we went down there is my middle son, Zach. Uh, baseball team, Webster, Webster University. Every three years, the NCAA allows uh, all teams to leave the country if they so desire. And uh, so they went down to the Dominican to play. And it was an unbelievable time. First of all, you know, I'd go to Antarctica to watch one of my kids play. So that was a great experience. Um, they played the National Army team. And these are all grown-ass men. I mean, every they didn't they didn't see an arm throwing under ninety miles an hour the whole time wow. they were there. It was pretty wild. They played the National Air Force team, which was cool. They beat. Um, they were only the second collegiate team to beat the um, Hiroshima Carp, the the Japanese perf- major league team. They have a AAA affiliate in the Dominican because they usually have several Dominican players on it. So that was really cool. They beat them four to nothing. But um, two highlights. They did a kind of a community service project. And this is at the Rockies facility, right? Well, no, th- th- we, they played all over. Okay, okay. They played all over, but the last two days they did play at the Rockies facility, which I'll get to in a moment. Okay. They did a community service project. You know, some of these places, and we have great poverty in our country also, but the abject poverty that you see um, in certain places down there, it's just, it was eye-opening for the kids. It was eye-opening for us, too. I mean, no running water, no indoor plumbing, nothing like that. So um, it, that that part was a, a great learning experience for all of us. Um, getting to the Rockies facility, I had been at the old Rockies facility, Julie, 
the new Rockies facility, you know this because you were in Tucson at the old Rockies spring mm-hmm. training facility, and now you've been to Scottsdale, and the Rockies truly had gone from the outhouse to the penthouse. Well, in the Dominican Republic, the Rockies went, their old facility was, you know, okay. Mm-hmm. They went from the outhouse to their their facility, which is now seven years old. I, I'm telling you, I knew it was nice. I was blown away with with the amenities they have, how well run it is there by Rolando Fernandez and, and his group. Unbelievable. And it was cool. The Rockies played their the young Latin kids who've just gotten signed in the last, you know, three, four months. They played two games against those guys and uh Does so that every was major league team or the majority have a facility? They the they DR? all they all do now. Some used to be in Venezuela, but it's unsafe to be in Venezuela now. You still scout in Venezuela, mm-hmm. but all the facilities for all major league teams and a lot of them are close in Boca Chica, like, you know, the Minnesota Twins, New York Yankees, New York Mets, St. Louis Cardinals are all in that uh the, the same road basically that the Rockies facility uh, was on. A couple names to remember for for the Rockies fans. Um, they have a shortstop that they signed for about a million and a half dollars. He just turned 17 in the last, uh, uh, couple of weeks, switch hitting, uh, kid. He played against, uh, Zach, um, good looking young player. They have a kid named Fernandez who's from Cuba at first base. He's 16. He has not turned 17 yet. Hit a home run against, uh, Webster. He's six, three and a half already about 200 pounds and he is uh he's an intriguing uh prospect as well so it was fun to see these young guys that you know you're talking about six seven years down the road if they're fortunate enough you know reach denver but um it it was really cool to see these kids we're gonna get to the world series in one second but a couple players we will not see next year for the rockies is Chad Bettis, who is um, a fan favorite, of course, because everything, just a great guy and everything that he went through. Um, so he decided to become a free agent, right? So Tyler Anderson uh, was picked up by the Giants and also Pat Vileka, also a fan favorite, I think. Um, he ended up going to the Orioles. So those are so three familiar faces. Tyler Anderson, I guess it doesn't surprise me in that um, I think he had some good stuff, but man, his story just became injuries. Yeah, he could never stay healthy. A big part of what they did in 2017, 2018. I mean, remember the Rockies had to win game 162 in 2018, and and he stepped forward at Coors Field. I mean, he pitched some really outstanding games in a Rockies uniform. But to your point, he battled a lot of injuries, and. You know, Chad, you know, the wonderful story of him overcoming the testicular cancer and just, as you said, a, a, a guy that was he's an adult and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll miss seeing him on a, on a regular basis. Pat Valake, I always cheer for Pat. Great mm-hmm. baseball family. Um, and uh, I, I hope Pat can return to what he did a couple of years ago when he was the premier pinch hitter in baseball and, and also hit 13 home runs and, you know, had a nice utility role. So I think Pat will do well. He's a gamer and a, I wish him the best. It clears the deck. You know, the Rockies said they're not going to make a huge play. I mean, everybody wants Garrett Cole to come to Denver. Everybody wants Garrett Cole to come to whatever city you're a fan of from a baseball perspective. But, Julia, they're going to have to – you know, I would think try to make a move either via trade or some other way to get another starting pitcher in. And this is partially starting to clear the deck, I would think. Speaking of pitching, we saw uh, game seven last night in the World Series. So I I was rooting for Washington. I love the underdog. 
and Houston was the you know was the heavy favorite, and I actually like it in Game Sevens when the um, the road team wins. I don't know what that says about me. Well, the road team <laughs> but, won every game. Yeah, right. So, but you were rooting for Houston, right? I it, it wasn't like I was passionately rooting for Houston. I just admired. And I admire Washington also. It's not like I'm upset today that Washington won it. I'm, I'm happy for them. They never won before. I have some good friends there on the broadcast side, you know, FP Santangelo, Bobby Carpenter, and, and they, you know, that's awesome for those guys. Um, Houston, I just, to me, they were the best team top to bottom. And I, I guess I wanted to see them, you know, take it all the way. But it, I'm happy for Washington. It, it was crazy. But that, that Houston team, I guess they're going to now go down in, in the annals of being one of those great teams that didn't win as many championships. And who knows? They, I mean, they're going to be in it next year, too, right? Even Are they all they staying together? I mean, well, well they'll right? probably lose Cole. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe he stays there. I think he's going to end up on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. You know, great. Either the Dodgers or the Angels. Of course. Um, but they're they're really good. But you think of the Mets in the mid '80s; they won one World Championship, and they had ridiculous talent. The Baltimore Orioles '69 through '71. Uh, the Mets, the team I followed as a kid, they knocked them off in '69. They ended up only winning one World Championship. So I think when you look at them, you go, "Boy, they should they should." have won a couple times in here and, and they didn't but that's sports that's why we love sports so I know the ratings were not great for this World Series but I think somebody like a Washington and how that and going to game seven I think that's good for baseball it's, I do. it's great for baseball and I think if we get so consumed now in television ratings and I know we're going to talk to Kenny Miller a little bit later on who's uh, you know executive with altitude and, and kind of uh, will give us a feel for where that whole situation is and why it is where it is. But the sports landscape on television, Julie, we've been in this business together a long, long time. It's changing. You can't just look at ratings anymore. And yeah, NFL still does well, but all ratings have declined because there are so many different options. There's so many people cutting the cords. There's so many people streaming. There's so many people doing shit. I don't even understand how they get, <laughs> you know, they walk around and you, I, the one thing I say, you're always going to be re- able to receive games. We may be walking around with like, sunglasses on down fifth avenue in manhattan and you're watching a game on your sunglasses i know, I know. hey um so unfortunately speaking of watching games we'll probably have to watch that broncos browns game but it's going to be one interesting game because as we found out this week joe flacco will not be playing this week because of his herniated disc don't know when we're going to see him again um lots of storylines for this week starting with and we haven't you know this is the first time you and i have gotten together god what a crazy you know they lose to the colts then flacco goes off in the post game to anybody that would listen anybody said that he was too vanilla he might have listened to that because he went off on offensive corner rich scangarella what were your um impressions did you agree disagree with a starting quarterback going off on his own offensive coordinator i I know you're supposed to keep stuff in-house but i didn't have a problem with it because if you're sitting there and you're joe fan and the broncos are now two and six and they can talk all they want about you know woulda coulda shoulda and three late field goals and maybe their their season's completely different uh, had they won those three close games guess what they are ultra conservative everything he said was accurate Everything he said I thought was right on the money. It's it's third and five. You, you've watched Bill Belichick, who's the unquestioned, you know, master. He's going to go down as, you know, maybe the greatest head football coach in NFL history, right? He tries to win games. Instead of going, okay, we're going to milk down the clock and we'll punt and we'll go play defense. Why not on third and five try to win the game? 
Try if you get four more downs, the game's over. Yeah, and so it it's just been, and they're bad. It's not like they're trying to protect a six and or five and two record. They were two and five coming in. But you just mentioned Bill Belichick, who has loads of confidence. I'm not sure Rich Scangarello has a ton of confidence, nor should he. He's a first year offensive coordinator. I know what you're saying. It's also not like there's a billion weapons around that the Broncos can utilize. I, I would agree with that. And and we're going to get to that point you just made in a moment. But guess what? This is the Denver friggin' Broncos, right? You tell you tell their legion of fans in Bronco country, say, hey, cut this guy some slack. He's a young first year old coordinator. And like, uh, uh-uh, this isn't an apprenticeship. You should if he got this job, he ought to be a guy that is ready to step forward, has been groomed to be able to take advantage of of situations where he's seen maybe other O coordinators falter. So I don't, I don't, it's the big leagues. I'm reminded of the line that Clint Hurdle used to use. It's not the try-hard league, it's the do-good league. It's that way for the players, and it sure is shit that way for the coaches. Well, if that scared you on Sunday against the Colts, I'm really scared shitless if we're going to use that word because it describes it um for sunday for brandon allen who's taking his first snap ever in the nfl now he's he's been on a roster for a, a few years but he hasn't been a starter since he played at arkansas i did one of his games at arkansas i did uh, i did a game he uh started and played in at lsu and you know lsu is one hundred and ten thousand people and they're going crazy and what I came away with watching him, this is a really poised guy. And I think he is going to maybe surprise people by his poise. I, I think he's one of those guys. He was like a three-and-a-half-year starter there. He's a coach's kid, comes from a football family. He's going to handle this. It's really not about Brandon Allen going forward. No. For everybody in Broncos country, Julie, it's about Drew Locke, right? It's about Drew Locke, and he's going to get his chance, I would think, at some point this year. There's still half a season left, and you made a great observation a moment ago. How hard is it going to be to really evaluate Brandon Allen or Drew Locke because the O-line is not very good, and that's probably being kind. The tight end group is very young. They've Once again, they've been a non-factor. A non-factor. Cortland Sutton is now your leading receiver. Excited about his talent, but he's a young guy. Who's around them where you go, okay. I think so many times we try to evaluate these quarterbacks and we forget you got to have some good players around you too to, to really get a feel for what talent you're looking at. Yeah, I think we all thought maybe Deshaun Hamilton was going to be a little bit more than he is now. I still think he's a wild card. This is, I think, a, a, a big year for him. So you bring up Drew Locke. There's a kind of a conspiracy theory going on right now about Drew Locke. There's one side that says, okay, the Broncos, he's not ready. They don't want to throw him in. Like once Drew Locke goes in, he's in. They're going to do everything they can to keep him in. It's not like they want to do rotating quarterbacks, right? So they just want to protect him. Then there's the other side that's like, wait a second. Why isn't he ready? He says he's physically ready. Shouldn't he be playing against the Browns this week? What's he been doing? According to him, he's been he's been studying the virtual reality. I mean, everything he can do, right? Yeah, virtual reality reps for those that you know they put the goggles right. on, and, and that's a whole new thing. It's a, it's a whole new thing, and it's interesting, Julie. It's interesting. 
that they're going to Brandon Allen first and, and maybe he's still getting his legs underneath him. I don't know. I, I, think I mean, it's this, the Browns we're talking about. I also I also know that this is not the last time we're going to be talking about this subject. What the over the over or the you know, it's right there in the forefront of everybody's mind. This seeming inability for John Elway, who was one of the all time great quarterbacks to find a quarterback other than Peyton Manning, but you knew what you were getting in Peyton Manning as long as he was healthy. And fortunately, he did. He was healthy enough to to lead the Broncos to a Super Bowl, et cetera. I don't I don't understand it. Maybe maybe it's not just John. Maybe it is emblematic of everything going around the league, Julian, that if I asked you who are the five best quarterbacks in football 10 years ago, what names would you come up with? I'd still come up with a Tom Brady. <laughs> right. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton mm-hmm. Manning's no longer in the league. He would have been on the list. Drew Brees. Yeah. Okay. Maybe a Ben Roethlisberger. Now, if I asked you, who are the five best quarterbacks in football? Brady's still there. Same Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, right? Right. They're still in that group. I, mean, I would have said Philip Rivers before this year. Okay. Yeah. But, older. They're all older. But here's the deal. They're the same guys. So maybe we're not giving these young quarterbacks enough of an opportunity to truly grow. And maybe it takes two, three, four years, and maybe you have to surround them with better talent before you immediately go, nope, can't play. Two crappy games, can't play. One decent game, two games that were mediocre, can't play. And we move on to the next guy. It cracks me up every year. I was listening to one of the many shows we all, you know, with radio or TV, and they were talking about all the quarterbacks that are coming out for next year's draft, right? The kid, the kid in Oregon, Burrow down in uh, down in Baton Rouge. They're talking about you know Tua at um, at Alabama. And you know what? As soon as they draft those guys, they're going to be talking about the next quarterback crop and how those guys failed. We're not giving them, I think we're probably not giving them enough opportunity. Well, you make a great point about Drew Locke in that even, so if he doesn't, if he doesn't, so the Broncos have the Browns this Sunday and then they have a bye week and then, you know, they're back in action after that. If he doesn't, if he's not out there that first game after the bye, then there's something there, right? Yeah. Then there's something there. Then there's something there. Right. Because you are always going to play the guy that you paid. Unless he, you've played him and realized you made a mistake. Well, Drew Locke, he hasn't played. He played a little bit in the preseason. Then he was hurt. And the season's lost, right? So you have to evaluate him because you have more money invested in him than Brandon Allen, who you picked up off the waiver wire. It's a frustrating situation. I feel like, the, I mean, for years and years, well, since Peyton Manning, it's just been this um it's the same conversation over and over again just taking a little bit of a different form and we're probably going to have the same conversation next year because if the broncos continue like they're doing now they're going to be in the a spot to take one of those quarterbacks right lord have mercy really if the broncos take a quarterback in the first couple of rounds next year what are you going to do uh, stop stop already Get better at other spots. Speaking of stopping, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we like to talk Broncos, but what the town is talking about 
is what's happening at Altitude Sports. And not right now, as of right now, being able to see the Avs and Nuggets. We're going to find out from Kenny Miller with Altitude exactly where they are in negotiations right now. We'll be right back. We tell you every week about my friends at Ideal Home Loans, Brent Ivinson's company, which he started in 2001. I begin by telling you they have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They are also the preferred mortgage provider of the Colorado Rockies for the last several years. You can reach them at 303-867-7000. That's 303-867-7000. I'm uh, doing some things right now, so I've been in contact with them uh, on a regular basis, and and Brent's staff is outstanding. I mean, they pay attention to detail. They will take wonderful care of you. I've sent a couple of people in the last couple of weeks their direction. They're really thrilled with uh, what is going on there. So if you're buying a house, if you're refinancing, which is a wonderful time to do that right now with interest rates where they are, if you're consolidating debt, look no further than our good friends at Ideal home loans they truly are outstanding in what they do and they're a local company so you're supporting colorado folks 303-867-7000 it's ideal home loans 303-867-7000 and they also bring us our interview of the week and today it is an old friend a very close friend of uh, both of ours kenny miller who's an executive at altitude and he has his uh his pulse on everything that is uh, transpiring. Kenny Miller, your exact title, Senior Vice President of Programming. That isn't even close, Julie. Are you serious? No, it's not. What is it? Executive Vice President and General Manager, Executive Producer. Dang. It's a long one. Can I tell you something? (laughs) The fact, hold on a second. The fact that there's executive or vice president in any title that includes you, it just just cracks me up because Kenny and I go back literally to 1987 and working in this business together and you know we thought he may be like senior custodian perhaps in, in, in a building but never so you didn't see that sharing a desk I, with me yeah. <laughs> this is where i would end up i we can't shared, believe that i know we did we shared we shared an office with two other guys and it was um it was hysterical and two we, desks four guys two yeah that's right yeah yeah so we, we go way back what was your job back then at the debt? Like, you've risen to the top. What I was a production assistant. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. Right? Yeah. We had a lot of fun. We were. It was United Cable. It was before the launch of Prime Sports Network, which became, Kenny will remember this better than I, uh, it, then it was like kind of Prime Network, became Fox Sports for the longest time, right? Fox Sports Net, and then Root, and now AT&T, and Kenny was there from the beginning to... You know, and then he was the executive producer forever, and he's one of the best. I'm going to be honest now. He's one of the best directors in the country, and he's a very creative guy. And now he's kind of got on the muckety muck side, so he's always wear, like wearing friggin' suits. He's you know he didn't have like a tie. I had to teach him how to tie a tie. We used to run around Europe and the Far East together too. Do you know that? We can get into some stories now. Oh God. Oh God, please. We, we might want to. <laughs> the Far East. We we might want to pass on that one. So before we get into. Um, one of the main reasons Kenny's here, I will say Kenny is the best TV boss I had. And that's, great. yeah, Kenny's we great. Miss, we miss him. Well, thank you, we, Julie. We were, we're not even letting Kenny talk. We, we, were, <laughs> we were very upset when Kenny left AT&T to go to Altitude, but we're happy for him. Hey, uh, speaking of Altitude, so Kenny, um, you are probably uh, tired of talking about what's happening at Altitude, but can you give us where we're at? How we, let, you know what? Give us how we got here to this point. 
Well, like any um, regional sports network. Uh, and a lot of people don't, what I've found through this process, because obviously, obviously we have a lot of upset fans now, and nobody knows how it works and how the regional sports networks make money. So when we started, Drew and I started, I mean, and when I was a kid, I grew up here. So watching Denver Nuggets games on Channel 2, well, Channel 2 aired the games, they sold advertising, they paid for production and made, made a little money. But of course, having the teams on the network, you want to have them on the network. It graduated then into the regional sports networks came along. And when Drew and I first started doing games, you know, there was some on the regional sports network and you still had a broadcast partner. Uh, but the money and how things were being produced, it all went to regional sports network. So, but the that was when all the cable and the satellite companies came in. So they were offering, which in, in their world is what uh, you know sells you on on the cable package or what you get. You don't watch all those channels. You know you have five hundred channels. You have whatever. There it's the buffet. You are going to the buffet. You don't necessarily want the roast beef. You're going to have the you know, you're going to have the fish that day, but uh, but that's how it was based on, right? So uh, you don't exactly watch all those channels, but they're available to you. So your sports networks are part of that package. The regional sports networks are the most expensive thing on that package with the ESPNs. Um, simply the rights fees you pay to the teams, the production costs, and of course, the cost of doing business. So when you add up all those fees, there is a break even point. And those so when you have the teams in which all the cable, you know, DirecTV, Comcast, Dish Network, you all needed regional sports, you needed your sports teams on that or people wouldn't, you know, they'd go their competition would, you know, if, if Comcast didn't have it, DirecTV would definitely air your Rockies and and nuggets and avalanche games. So the competition was you you had to have those. Um, and that's how it's always been. And the structure is set up that way. And so unfortunately, uh, for Altitude, it's been around for 15 years and they've had two carriage deals, one for 10 years and one for five years. Now the five-year deal expired, but unfortunately all three major carriers ended at the same time. So uh, that has been the leverage that the cable and satellite companies have. There's nowhere, nobody's leaving Comcast for DirecTV because they can't get their avalanche. There's nowhere to go. So, you know, which takes away all of our leverage. So that's why, you know, we have been off uh, now for um, as long as we've been for that avalanche. And we're just starting the Nugget season. So, you know, we haven't been on for uh, four games. What, what is the possibility or potential that one of those entities, one of those three major entities, Dish, DirecTV, or Comcast, says, hey, we have a play here where, you know, if we do a deal with Altitude, we'll pull, a, you know, a number of subscribers who are disgruntled and want to see their nuggets and avalanche, and, and we could we can make a financial play that way. Is that, uh, is that a potential happening? Oh, of course. I mean, th that's what... The Comcast and DirecTV and Dish Network. I mean, Dish Network, they've taken all the Fox regions off. Or what was the Fox regions? Now it's Sinclair. 
And so they might be getting out of the business altogether, which Drew is going to hurt your network. It's going to hurt all the regional sports networks. Um, but uh, yeah, you would, and that's the play, right? If you're direct TV, okay, we can, we can launch how many subscribers can we take away from Comcast? And certainly we would be marketing for them <laughs> to, to do that. You know, thank you for bringing us on and you know, all you Avalanche and Nuggets fans, get over to DirecTV, get over to Comcast. And and they realize that and they know that. So that's always, um, you know, if one goes and you deal with one, then obviously it makes it easier. And then if you're, you know, if you're staggered in your Com Comcast, because that's all, you know, you almost have to if you want to keep your customers, because you know you're going to lose a lot of them. I've heard this, um, and I don't actually know if it's true, but is it? Um, I've heard that altitude is kind of like the test here for what else is going to happen out there. That a lot of people, there's a lot of eyeballs on what's happening now because other deals are going to be coming up. Well, uh, the inter what was very interesting for me uh, was going from Fox Sports to Liberty Media over at um, uh, at at Root Sport, and then we became Root Sports, but then DirecTV bought us. So you had these two entities, the uh, programming that cost the most for them, and then you had the distributors. And so, you know, when uh, Dan York from uh, in charge of DirecTV uh, came over, it's like he, he had, you know, I hated the, the regional sports networks. They're the most expensive thing on our network and yet now we own three of them at the time and now it's four uh so so he learned about our business we learned about their business so and and it was very eye-opening for both of us so you learned how the and for me you know how the distributors looked at this and you look at you know vast amounts of programming that they had um and just the people that i mean you had we went to the first party uh, or the first uh, meeting out in LA and you have Oprah Winfrey addressing us because she's there because she wants to leverage for DirecTV to carry them in HD. They were on a SD channel. So you have people like literally Oprah, you know, going to DirecTV and, and wanting something for them and, and her services. So, you know, you realize, okay, we're in a lot bigger place and a lot more, you know, a lot going on at, at these systems. So, yeah, it was, it was just very interesting how, how it, and learning how that side of it worked. How does the industry recapture all of the people who are cutting the cord? They're, they're, the one thing that we all know, and, and people who are listening to this podcast understand they love sports, and sports for me is the last bastion of true reality television. Because right. you watch it live. Everything else is now, you, you know, you record it and you watch your favorite show when the heck you want to watch your, your favorite show, right? But sports, you have to watch it basically live. Otherwise, it's pretty hard not to know the outcome. Every provider is, look what happened with ESPN. They had to cut a lot of people because everybody's losing subscribers. How do you, you know they're watching in some capacity. How do you capture that and monetize that? And I know that's a pretty difficult question, but that is what needs to happen it's why altitude is in the place they are right now basically yeah and 
um, I, I forgot to answer your question, Julie. I got, I got, ram, I got rambling. No, interesting. This happens to her all the time. Well, I, I got through with the, with, but uh, so to answer your question first, yes, absolutely. They're always trying to reset the uh, regional sports business. You know, it's always what what was offered uh, to us was the ex- it was the exact same thing really is what they all, always had tried even over at 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 and T when and in in when we were when I was over there Drew and the Rockies it's it's we want to put you on a tier which then goes to twenty um, percent of the audience and or that you know their subscribers instead of eighty percent which doesn't work and, and and fans wouldn't stand for it right so you're paying for that. You're paying for the regional, and you look at your bill. You have a regional sports network bill or charge on there, so you're being charged that, and then to pay more doesn't make any sense, and it doesn't make any sense for us or really, you know. And now you're the fans. You're only going who is, you know, they don't, and and those occasional fans that just want to watch one game a week, or hey, if it's a good game, I'm going to tune in or something. But you always, again, you always have it there. So yeah, when they're there's several carriage deals up, but to have something in Denver that they can go, well, you see what we're doing in Denver. So maybe somebody will bite on it. Maybe somebody will save a couple million dollars or, you know, okay, well, we'll set. But, you know, yeah, that might be a, a business decision um, that, okay, we can afford to keep Denver off for a while and maybe um, these other carriage deals that are up um, you know, we can get a better deal. So absolutely that, um, that, that we may be part of that. And then drew you on, on the, um, you know, you have the, you have the, yes, you have the cord cutting, you have the, um, all the young folks, your son, sons, my daughter, you know, they may never have cable you know, and and the stream, but but also, you know, I, I don't know. My daughters, they have access to our Netflix account, our Directv account. They can watch whatever they want, and that's a problem, right? And the and all the other feeds out there. So it's they're used to. And then you got the old timers that think all the TV should be for free. I got my nuggets over the air, I and had you know, and, and now you're free. gonna now yeah. you're gonna charge me for it and all that stuff. So you. So, you know, you have all that, but look, we all see where it's going. You have a lot of streaming services coming out. You have, they can't all survive. There's no way. Um, We know what the costs are, but the cost of entry is a lot less. And people that want their sports, eventually, you know, it, it's go, the the leagues are going to have to get involved. It's uh, the territorial restrictions, Drew, or they can't, I mean, if you're a Nuggets fan, and you want to watch the nuggets or whatever and and on our network then we should be that we're producing it they shouldn't have to go through the nba and the territorial restrictions need to be lifted to where they can watch it anytime anywhere and then we can monetize that and we can survive because otherwise it is it is going to be really tough for the regional sports networks unless the leagues help and you know we're distributing it a different way Here's what I don't understand. I know you guys are doing games through Saturday, right, at some bars, yes. like 100 to 200 bars. How did, how did that, how do you do that? How did you do that? You know that? what, and, that, and that's a, well, that's a, um, that's a decision that was made, 
And it's one of, we do a lot of businesses or we do a lot of business with the bar. You know, we've been having watch parties and mm-hmm. all these, uh, and, and we have some of the bars that advertise on it. You know, they're hurting. And if you saw all the emails that I have gotten from all over the all over the state, and I just got two more from Colorado Springs. Hey, we saw we have so many Avalanche and Nuggets fans down here. How can we participate and get the game tonight? Well, I sent them a link to get the game tonight in their in their bars. And it was look our our executive group said during these negotiations let's let's at least help out um the bar owners and restaurant owners um you know they're hurting and they're you know a lot of them and you read some of these i'm a small bar owner i without the nuggets and avalanche i don't know if i can make it and you read these things and it's like wow i mean but this is a you know hey hey governor hey mayor this is a statewide issue and it's an important issue for uh, you know, we employ a lot of people. Comcast, DirecTV employ a lot of people here. We, we're very strong in Dish Network. We're very strong businesses. And so this is a problem. Yeah. Unfortunately, Julie alluded to this earlier. The entire industry, all eyes are on because, you you know, you're a sole entity and you realize this, but all eyes in the industry are on Denver and specifically Altitude to see how this thing is resolved because, Moving forward, it could set the uh, the template, if you will, for how others will do the same thing, because the industry is changing and changing rapidly. It, it, it is, and it's it's hard for us um, at Altitude because we are a, I mean, we are a standalone network, and so are you really going to make a dent in the regional sports network by taking one? Um, entity one one regional sports network off i mean you have the so what's the sinclair regions now with 21 plus yet yes network 22 we have uh, your networks drew with at&t with four of them and then comcast has seven networks of their own so um which is a lot of the core of our argument yeah. is if if comcast offered the same deal for their networks or at&t offered the same for your networks, you'd go bankrupt. So they'd never, they would never, and they know that. They would right. know that they offer, if they offered that to their own regional sports networks, they couldn't survive. Why don't we conclude it this way? Uh, you know, people who are listening to this, they're saying, you know what, the, I've gotten a, a nice little education on, on where your industry <laughs> is, and I don't give a shit. All I care about is I want to watch my Nuggets and I want to watch my Avalanche, which, you know, this isn't the... Uh, you know, the 90s Nuggets weren't very good, and, and this is a you know a loaded roster. The Avalanche are loaded. It's really exciting times down at Pepsi Center. Look in that crystal ball. Unfair question, Ken. When is it resolved? Is it resolved? How painful? How long? What, what does your gut uh, tell you? Uh, I think it'll be resolved. It'll certainly, you know, one, one of these entities uh, will want to have us back on the air. And... Um, you know, I can't say for all three of them. You don't know what you know. Dish Network—they—they're kind of holding firm on what they what they feel. But um, Charlie Ergen and and the Dish Network—it's a local. They're local here, so maybe they feel different about about this um, uh, about this regional sports network and these teams. Um, Comcast—they're in a different business. They're all about data, 
And so it and and DirecTV is um, you know DirecTV. Uh, I think I think both of those uh, DirecTV and Comcast. I mean one of, one of those. I, I really strongly feel like we'll we'll be back on and 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 hopefully soon. It's going to happen. I'm looking forward to it. Just from working there and watching, those broadcasts are some of the best around. So I'm very much looking forward to. Um, when we can get to see the games on altitude. I did, Drew, I guess, wants me to bring up, um, is it a story about you guys in Thailand as we end this podcast? There's a story about there's, you guys there's, that... There's stories all over the world. There's one in particular in Bali. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> so we're... Talking about going up to the... Uh, the the uh, volcano. The volcano. Well, there's two stories but I want to tell You really want to tell the story about you right. negotiating with the 12-year-old? No, we weren't going to tell that story. I'm going to tell that story. <laughs> we're not going to yes. tell that story. Tell the story. I'm going to tell how we were driving there first. We rented... You have a better memory than me. We rented some sort of... We were it was a Jeep. We rented a Jeep, right? And we were naturally on the beach you and i were like 24 right yeah okay so we're on the beach which most 24 year olds want to be on the beach yeah. and but there's a volcano inland and what was it like a two and a half hour drive or something it was a lengthy drive uh, yeah so and oh here's the other thing in bali they drive on you know it's they drive on the other side of the road so i'm driving and no seatbelts, by the way. So, well, that's part of my story. I look to my left, and Kenny has taken his sweatshirt and he's tied it around the back of the seat. Do you remember this? And his waist. And I go, What that bleep are you doing? And he goes, There's no seatbelt. And I go, All this is going to do is it'll make it easier for them to find you. Because it was, I had, I had like an Excedrin headache number 6042. Because you're driving, first of all, it's third world country. It's about wide enough for one and a half cars. They have these lorry drivers, these big trucks coming at you and big buses coming at you. And then there are people walking. It's like out of a National Geographic. Remember this, Kenny? They're walking with like water on their head. You know, they're carrying oh. stuff in the ditch. So you can't like swerve to the right to avoid the truck coming at you because then you'll kill like a family. Mm-hmm. And you don't really want to take on the, the lorry driver head on. So that's how Kenny and I got to the volcano and... I'll leave it at that. Well, but that, no, no, Please no. Please tell us about no. the well, negotiating you, of the twelve-year-old because uh, I think we're all kind of fixated on that. Yeah. So, so you know, Drew, and let me just put it this way: uh, he's kind of frugal. Okay. Shall okay. we say? Hey. We were on a. We were. On, it was. It was. What was it? From well, twenty dollars Europe on twenty dollars a day. But right. We but uh, you're frugal now, mm. and you have money, so you can imagine him at twenty-four years right. old without okay. money. So, uh, yeah, we we could not find the path up to this up to this volcano it's a, and, and it's like four in the morning it's four it's dark. i mean you have to go you, you, you to watch the sunrise you, could, you couldn't find it all of a sudden out of nowhere this little 12 year old girl that's wearing like a, a gunny sack you know for a dress and uh and flip-flops mm-hmm. and she goes I'll take you up to the top. Well, she, I mean, she pant, she pantomimed that because she didn't, it, she, she didn't, didn't she didn't know two words of English. So everything's a negotiation over there, right? Mm-hmm. So Drew, I can't wait. Oh, yeah. Drew puffs his chest out, you know, and goes, <laughs> "I'm getting mu- killed on this. I'm leaving." Hey, y'all, How have a much? good time. <laughs> How much? And she goes, twenty thousand rupiah, which is which was like seven bucks, mm-hmm. something like that. And Drew goes. Dude, she's 12. But wait a minute. So she goes, 
7,000. <laughs> so she goes backwards, right? Oh, no. And Drew, Drew looks at me, and he, he knows he has her. And he goes, deal. So I'm like, oh, my uh, God. Oh, my God. We 24. just You just bettered a 12-year-old. She, she went backwards. <laughs> she, she went back. She didn't quite understand. She was just getting out, uh, you know, starting her negotiating. But she blazed up the hill with her, with, Listen, Kenny and I pride ourselves, you know, we like to work out. We're in great shape. We're 24. This is steep. I mean, it's like a lot of climbing and a lot of switchbacks. Mm -hmm. Kenny and I are like huffing and puffing. We're trying to get up there. And all of a sudden, we lose sight of her a couple of times. And we go around a couple of bends. Finally, we come up around a bend. Remember this, Kenny? She was sitting cross-legged yeah, in the trail like, where the frig have you guys been? Yeah, yeah, she's like, you guys cheaped out on me? Yeah. I mean. <laughs> no, she didn't realize that. I know. I, I think we tipped her very well. Thank you for we, teaching we me more finally, about. We finally, you know, Drew finally. Uh, felt awful. Felt awful. It got to him. By the time we got back, I think she got her 20,000 rupiah. So would you come back and be on with us after the deal is done to tell more Drew stories? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I have I have one. This is a tease. We're not going to tell it now. Next time Kenneth is on, we'll talk about Kenny driving in Monte Carlo. Oh. <laughs> okay. No, and, I'm never coming back. And, I'm never coming back. And hitting a house. That's a tease. That's coming up at some point. I squared up the front door, though. <laughs> oh, my God. Next time on the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brahman.